Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Good evening. Thank you so, so much, uh, Tinu. Uh, so glad, to, uh, we're so good to have you uh, anchor today's calm session. Um, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for the warm, warm welcome. Um, trust we're all doing good. Can we all hear me clearly? Is it, if I'm audible, loud enough? Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for the feedback, Minister Esther. Uh, good evening, everyone. How are we all doing? How has the week been? Um, I hope everybody's breathing. <laughs> I hope we are breathing with the different things happening in Nigeria where we trust God on the past on the path to, to, to restoration. Um, trust we're all doing good. Um, yeah, yeah, welcome, welcome. Do you want to welcome in an enable and just say welcome to welcome to come, welcome to church. Um, yeah, and just and just say a word of prayer for the pressing um, concerning tonight's service. Just just go ahead and just um, say a word of prayer for <laughs> for the for the pressing for your enable even as you welcome them to welcome them to come tonight hallelujah praise god um i'm sure i'm still clear i'm still audible um so i want to start by and again this is not um as pastor ay would say uh it's not just for sure uh, we do this because you know um every every mention or every time we do it is is deserving of such a moment of honor and such moment of celebration all right and so in that wise i'd like to celebrate pastor our senior pastor and the angel of god over this house pastor damnella ogunsunde for the privilege um to to bring the word of god to us tonight um, it's not a privilege I take, or it's not it's it's not a privilege I take, or it's not a responsibility I take very, very lightly. Um, I mean, it's it's a revered privilege uh, to bring God's word to God's people, and I'd like to thank Pastor um, for for that opportunity, as well to also thank him for his astute leadership. Um, I, I like to call it astute and prophetic uh, leadership over this house and is you know constant labor of love i mean I, I i was just thinking about sunday's teaching and and also monday's push buttons and you know the 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 magnitude and well of revelation that pastor speaks teaches and writes from is so it's really really awe inspiring you know to see that god has that treasure of revelation and the mysteries of god you know hidden in in, in his in his own choice vessels of which pastor damzala open today is one so can you just um together with me um celebrate pastor for 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 his all-round amazingness um for his fatherhood for his leadership um for his instruction for his labor of love um for his yeah and as well i want you to also celebrate with me ellie as well um, and just to thank her for for her continuous support and her strength and her love uh, and, and, and her labor as well. Um, and as well, you, you never get tired of, of celebrating, right? Let's celebrate all our pastors, all our associate pastors, 
um, Pastors Itoro, um, Pastors Pastor Nonso, and Pastor Ay. Let's celebrate each and every one of them and just thank them for their labor of love in the word, in prayer, and in care. Hallelujah. Um, as well, I want you to, if you are in a unit already, I want you to call out your 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 HOD, uh, your L, your unit lead, and as well as your director, and I just want you to celebrate them. Uh, so call out your your LXL unit leader, and then call out your director, and I want you to just celebrate them and say thank you. Like Pastor, I will always say, let's know the people that know their ministries. <laughs> so don't go, out, don't go and say you're in Beckon and go and call, go and call director, director <laughs> So, so just, just um, call out your, your LXL leader, and then also call out your director and just say thank you. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your labor. Thank you for your sacrifice. Um, and lastly, I'd also like to celebrate everyone that has taught over, you know, throughout the COM series so far. Um, that's Minister Jola, Minister Jumon, uh, Minister Dam Director Dami, apologies. Um, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you. I think those are the um, ministers that I've taught apart from the pastors um, over the course of this particular series um, looking at the book of Romans so I can see that we are all tagging our director and our ministers I'm not saying people tagging are we tagging we're tagging okay yes I can see I can see all right all right thank you so much and I want you to celebrate yourself as well as you have your seat <laughs> if you're sitting down <laughs> celebrate yourself as you have your as you have your seat in God, in God's presence, uh, in Telegram, praise God, Hallelujah. Okay, so um, over the next eight eleven now, over the next four minutes, I'd like us to just pray in the spirit. I'd like us to just pray, and I, what I want you to pray is that Heavenly Father, my heart is open, my eyes are open, my ears are open to receive, my eyes, my heart is open. My ears are open and my eyes are open to see. My ears are open to hear. My heart is open to receive of the word of, of the word of life, the words that are spirit and are, and, and are life that are coming to me tonight. Just begin to declare in the spirit. Thank you, Father, for open hearts. Thank you, Father, for open eyes. Thank you, Father, for open ears. Thank you, Father, for receptive hearts. Thank you, Father, for alert minds. We declare every wall of destruction, every wall of destruction comes down, breaks down tonight. Thank you, Father, for the entrance of your word. Thank you, Father, for light. Thank you, Father, for attendant light, attendant strength. The supply of the Spirit. I hope you're praying two more minutes. 
Thank you, Father. Open heart, open mind. Open eyes, open ears. Thank you, Father, because our hearts are fertile ground. The sower comes to sow the word. The seed is the word of God. Every, every seed of God's word sown tonight in my heart bears fruit in the name of Jesus. Because the water is the supply of the spirit. The spirit of understanding, the spirit of revelation in the name of Jesus, Ikananasa, men let regadoza come on, press it some more, press it some more, one more minute. And she beg a lebroco, she can eat it. And she beg a leave regadoza. Rabakata lebregede, mashekitea, and let Rebecca do zegadeli brocos, the balabrogadoja, Mendileka ropocoto, zevelebrecanosum, and Melibreketeti and the librocosa, a jabala bregade, vinebregade, zibele bregadoja, Rabelecan and an NNS, zibele bregadoja, bilebregade, jibala balabosa, Mendelibrocos, zubref and the librocosa. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for the massive love that you have for us in the rich supply of your word to this house and to our hearts and in our individual places of devotion. Thank you, Father, for the rich supply of your word tonight as well. Lord, we declare that even as we learn at your feet tonight, thank you, Father, because each and every one of us is strengthened. We are a we are built up. Thank you, Father, because we are being transformed and we are encouraged in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you and we give you all the praise and glory. Thank you, Father, for utterance. And thank you, Father, for the free flow and the free course that your word has in our midst tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Are we ready? Hope we are ready for the word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, last week, uh, Pastor Nonso took us on the path, you know, of, of glory. And he began to, he began to, he began to tell us, you know, he did a brief recap of, of the, I mean, last three teachings. And then he also began to teach us you know, that one of the things, one of the very striking things that Pastor Nelson thought of last week was that, or is that, you know, you cannot live life on the devil's terms and expect a life that appeals to God. So, I mean, it was a strong word of instruction that you can't live life on the devil's terms and expect a life that appeals to God. 
and he began to say that you know one of there was also a strong emphasis on where we now live you know pastor also saying that you know that we are now in the spirit and i i i really believe that that's a word of encouragement to someone that you are you are actually in the spirit you're not in the flesh you know the flesh is not your habitation you are actually living your life is now sourced from the spirit you know, and pastor also kept on emphasizing that you know throughout the course of his of his teaching that our life is now in the spirit we are in the spirit and you know the spirit already governs your life already already the spirit has first lien on our lives not the flesh you know the spirit has first lien on our lives not the flesh not the flesh not not our carnal mind not our flesh not the world the, now that we are born again it's the spirit that has first lien first hold on our lives on our lives so you say it told us last week that you know our habitation is now in the spirit and another word of encouragement that pastor also said which is a perfect segue into tonight's teaching he says that he said that god is now our father you know he's my father he says that we can call god daddy god is our, our father and there is no other assurance you know that is bigger than that there is nothing there is no other assurance there is nothing that anybody else can give you like if we put it on a scale the fact that god is our father and whatever it is whatever whatever reaches that this world can boast of and we put it on the other side of the scale that understanding that god is now my father should weigh above anything regardless of what you mount on the other side of the scale be it a house be it you know you know a, a passport that has the highest you know index in, in the whole world be it you know, cars be it whatever marriage family there is nothing that can trump that understanding and that premise that god is our father god is my father there is no assurance that is bigger than that and that's just to say personal so thank you so much for for that word of instruction you know i mean it was it was instruction encouragement um all in one package thank you so 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 much sir and we are going to be going you know on on the strength of that teaching tonight and we are going to be looking at the next you know six verses but again uh because romans 8 15 sort of starts the stretch of um that the thoughts from romans 8 15 up until romans 8 i mean 2021 we're going to be starting from romans 8 15 and we're going to be going on to romans 8 21 by the help of the spirit tonight right and so we're going to just start by reading i'm just going to breeze through romans 8 15 obviously if you can help me kindly please help drop the um drop the verses on the on the chat in the chat room um so Romans 8 from verse 15 to 21 says that for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It says this spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, then, then we are heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may we may also be glorified together with him. It says, for I reckon, that's verse 18 now, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It says, for the earnest expectation of creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. It says, for creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope, that's creation now, 
of creature. It says, because the creature it's, itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Hallelujah. So Pastor Nonso rested his you know, exegesis last week in Romans 8.15, where he began to encourage us, you know, that, you know, people that are in bondage, you know, have fear because they, they have fear because they don't have the spirit of God within them. They don't have the spirit of God within them. So they are afraid. They have different kinds of fear, fear of tomorrow, you know, fear of what will happen now. In fact, fear of the present, fear about the afterlife. You know, they, they, they just have both different kinds of fear. They are always afraid. They are always afraid because they don't have any assurance. Again, like Pastor also said last week, that there is there is a level of assurance in that premise that God is our Father. It comes with a level of assurance. It comes with a level of assurance. And the people that have the spirit of bondage, you know, at work and operational in them, don't have that assurance. And so they are, they, they are in bondage to fear. They are in bondage to fear. You know, and I remember when I was um, teaching about you know, the evolution of sin and the law, I began to talk about, or was it no? When I thought, when I thought about um, understanding, right, um, sustainability of the spirit. I think when we're going through the, the 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 series on Daniel, I began to talk about the concept of the concept of an exchange, right? And in in Romans eight fifteen, we we begin to see that same concept, you know, presents itself. How that the Bible says that we do not have the spirit of bondage again to fear. So we don't have the spirit. We're not we are not in bondage to fear. We are not you know we are not under the 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 stronghold of fear. He says we don't have that spirit of bondage again to fear. He says but we have what what we then have in exchange for that is the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father. And at first glance at this picture, you might want to think that that is, is a one-to-one -one exchange or you don't have the spirit of fear. What you have is the spirit of adoption. And so the spirit of fear is, the spirit of adoption is one and the same. No, well not one and the same, but if is sort of an equal mitigation against the spirit of the spirit of bondage against fear, but it's, it's not it's not an equal mitigation. So and that's why you know one of the things Pastor also said yesterday last week is that you know you are now in the habit your your habitation is now in the spirit and not so that not so that you then think that you know the power the power of the spirit is just minus the power of 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 fear of of the flesh or the power of the spirit is just you know minus minus the power of the flesh that that what i'm trying to say by that is that you think that oh the spirit of god has as much power to buy you out of or to bring you out of uh, of fear as the hold of fear has as much power to drag you out of the spirit the spirit of it's the 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 weight and the hold of the spirit of adoption and the spirit of glory and the spirit of God is much more than the the, the hold of the spirit of fear. So it's not it's not it's not equal on the equal and opposite. That's the word I'm looking. That's the phrase I'm looking for. It's not equal and opposite. It's 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 much more. It's far weightier. And so when Pastor Nelson was telling us last week that you are now in. You are now living in the spirit, and your habitation is this is in the spirit, and you are now owned by the spirit of God. It's that the spirit of God has much more hold on you to keep you in righteousness than the spirit of fear had hold on you to keep you enslaved to bondage, to keep you enslaved to bondage. 
right? So the spirit of God, the hold of the spirit of God and the authority of the spirit of God in your life is higher. It has more hold, is more permanent, is heavier than the hold that the spirit of fear had on you, right? Or the hold that your flesh may have on your will or the the, the hold that the, the spirit of God the Holy Spirit in concert with the, your own spirit, as on your mind, as on your will, as on your faculties, is higher than the hold that your flesh has on it. It's higher than the hold, the hold that your flesh has on it. And so we begin, we begin to see in Romans 8, 15, that, you know, bondage causes us to fear. And Bible also talks about the fact that, you know, fear has torment, you know, and different um, epistles begins to, give this spirit a different name, the spirit of bondage to fear. It calls it, you know, the spirit of this world. It calls it the spirit that walks in the children of disobedience. And he notes, um, Timothy calls it the spirit of fear. And there are two ways that we can come under the bondage of fear as we have learned. You can either come involuntary by birth, like everybody that, that is born of any man on this earth is in bondage to fear. But beyond that, you can also voluntarily, voluntarily yield your yield yourself come under that bondage of fear by yielding your members to sin once you yield your members to sin you begin to there's a there's a sort of fear that just that just overwhelms you and envelops you the more you continue to you know live in lasciviousness as pastor took us through during the um, pneumatology um series or sub-series once you begin to yield your your members to those things you, you, you start to you start to see that fear starts to chip in. You start to become afraid. You're not as confident. You're not as assured because you are yielding your members to things that are in constant opposition to, to, your, to your default state, right? And the Bible begins to talk about in 2 Timothy verse, verse one, uh, chapter 1 and verse 17, it begins to say that we have not been given that, same, that spirit of fear, but it says that we have been given a spirit which Romans, Romans 8 calls, you know, the spirit of adoption, which is the Holy Spirit. But, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, expands the, um, the, the role of that spirit or the action or what, what that spirit, what the spirit of God does in us to love, power, and a sound mind. It says you have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And those things as a as a tripod, you know, acts as an antidote to fear. And that's why I said that it's a trifold, like, you know, it's a trifold lock. It's it's not that, oh, you need love, power, and sound mind to really fight fear, like only fear. You only need just fear alone, like you need love, power, and sound mind. But it's to buttress that concept that the hold that the spirit has over us is much more than the hold that the flesh has over us. The hold that the, so that's why you know the spirit of God doesn't just come with one antidote to fear, right? He say what he comes is comes with is love, power, and a sound mind. So he comes with three things. Three things. He, he has already quelled fear already with love. He says because perfect love cast out fear. He says. Fear as torment. He says, but perfect love cast out fear. So fear in love in itself, understanding the love of God, already quells fear, but the Holy Spirit doesn't stop at love. He goes ahead to give you power and some mind and some mind as well. As a trifle block, as a trifle block antidote to fear, mitigation against fear or against the spirit that was at work in us before. Right? So Romans 8:15 says that. 
or Romans, yeah, eight fifteen says that the part B of that says that, but you we have received the spirit of adoption. It says whereby we cry, Abba Father. And Pastor Nelson started to teach us last week that Abba Father means it is a language of intimacy in God, intimacy. And and while I was doing my research, I saw that you know Abba Father has is a coin with two faces. Pastor Pastor Ito likes to teach us about the coin concept. I, I, it's so amazing that Pastor Ito finds the coin concept to different. To different concepts in scripture, but there is there are always almost two sides to things, right? So to Abba Father, there are two sides. There is the intimacy side of Abba Father. There is also the reverent respect, and there's also just that reverent side to Abba Father. So Abba Father itself is not a tautology, it's not, it's not a repetition of oh, father, father, as dear father, or 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 like father, father, dear, dear, dear father. No. Abba Father means intimacy and affection, but in the same breath also means reverence. So he says that that spirit of adoption that God has sent in our heart, what he does in our heart is that he makes us cry Abba Father, that he brings us into a place of intimacy, but beyond intimacy, also reverence as well. So intimacy, reverence, Intimacy signifying affection, signifying deep love, deep affection, but there is also reverence, signifying respect, deference to God, you know, respect, honor, deep honor. And that's what Abba Father means. That's what Abba Father means. And that phrase would then explain and really form the bedrock of 16 to 19. You know, of Romans 8, 16 to 19, that phrase that the spirit of adoption is what the what God has sent into our heart. Galatians begins to talk about the fact that God has sent that spirit of adoption into our into our hearts, crying Abba Father. And then that provides that, that segue into 8, 16, 8, 17, 8, 18, and 8, 19. And so we're just going to be taking it one by one. The first, the Bible says that the spirit begins to bear witness in our spirit that we are children of God. And one of the things that you begin to see, you know, in the New Testament, one of the first things that was introduced by Jesus when Jesus came on the scene in the New Testament is the concept of the fatherhood of God. Is the concept of the fatherhood of God. Before Jesus came on the scene, we never, we, we didn't really see God as father. We saw God as the Lord of the Jews. We saw God as the creator. We saw God as God. We saw God as, you know, the, the one that shows the, you know, the Israelites, you know, as his own. And in, in that way, he was trying to sort of, sort of ease, ease us in, into the concept of his fatherhood. But really, even then on, even from then, they, they, they just knew themselves as God's chosen ones. They didn't really know themselves as, as God as their father, as themselves as Jesus you know, God's children. They just think that they were God's chosen ones, you know, that God was fighting for them. God has, God had so much love for them. God has a special reserved place in his heart for them. And he also meant that, you know, beyond God giving them goodies, you know, God also did not really take any form of, you know, laxity from them in, in choosing them as his own in that way. But we didn't really see, you know, that fatherhood of God come through. You know, we saw, we, you know, in different parts of the Old Testament, you see the reverence of God. You see, we, we see reference to God's rulership. You know, his judiciary, his divinity. You know, his 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 self sufficiency. He's being master over everything. We see all of those dimensions come through. But when Jesus Christ came on the scene, the Bible begins to you know the Bible begins to talk. Of, 
Jesus began to talk about God in in connotation of his fatherhood. And what does fatherhood mean? You know, fatherhood is the concept of a founder of a family or a tribe. Um, is it, it also connotes the originator or transmitter of a family or, or a bloodline. So if a if a father if a son fathers a child, then that that child carries the bloodline. Now that son has carried the bloodline from the generation before him to the generation after, and he keeps transferring it from that generation to another. And that's why you hear, and that's why you know sons are the ones that I mean carry on the posterity of the family from one generation to another, and on and on like that. You know, so a father also the genealogy, and that genealogy is animated by the same substance that the father carries. So if a father carries something in his gene genealogy and he gives birth to you know, a child, a son, that son carries that same substance that the father carries. And so there is a dimension of fatherhood that you cannot deny fatherhood. You can't deny. You know, there is an example of you know, a, a, a man, you know, that a, a lady that came to a guy's family. She got impregnated out of wedlock and then she came to the guy's family and came to tell them that was still that you know, your your son impregnated me and the boy also denied that he didn't do that, you know, not she sent the lady out and she was all alone. She had to take care of the child by herself. And a few years later, you know, a few years later when the child was grown, uh, one of this boy's family members then sees this lady and uh, and the and the child at a bus stop and just sees them and he was like wow and he just saw, once he saw the child, like it's like he could not deny the fact that no, 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 we made a mistake, you know, five years ago when we when we sent this lady out and told her that you know, you know, your child is this child is not our own, or our son could not have done such a thing. We made a mistake in believing our son over this daughter, over this girl, because in looking at this baby, looking at this child, I cannot deny the fatherhood of of our brother in impregnating this 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 young lady, right? So fatherhood cannot be denied. There is a substance that shows in the passage of time that that validates that fatherhood, that validates the fatherhood. There is something that shows. It's beyond what is within. It's, it's beyond, oh, a, a genotypic trait. There is always a phenotypic, and what I mean by phenotypic is a structural characteristic of fatherhood that shows in the passage of time, in the passage that, that you cannot deny that this person is fathered by X person. You can't deny it. You can't deny it. When you see Tiara, for example, and you look at Tiara's nails, and you look at Pastor's nails, that's the end. That's the end. That's, that's, that's just the end. It's just the end. So there is there is always a proof of fatherhood. There is always a trust of fatherhood in the next generation. In the next generation. In the next generation, and the, the substance of God's fatherhood, as Romans eight begins to teach us, is that spirit in us. Is the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit is the substance of God's fatherhood. So, just the same way, when a man is going to impregnate a woman, what happens is that there is a deposit of the man's sperm in the woman's ovaries that then fuse together to form a zygote, and all of all of all of all of all of all, of, all that process, right? Is the same way in when we give our lives to Christ. What God sent into our hearts, and the Bible calls him the seal, the earnest of the purchased possession, possession is the Spirit of God, is the Holy Spirit. He sends it into our hearts in trust because he knows that in relation, as we continue to relate to that Spirit, as we 
continue to engage with that state, what happens is that we, we start to show the structural characteristics that ensure that it's very undeniable. When people see us that this person is not fathered by God, it's, it's undeniable. They can't deny it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. In engage, as we engage with him, as we relate with him, one of the things that happen is that he starts to show those structural characteristics, those physical attributes that just begins to tie people to us and tie us to God and say that these ones are, these ones are fathered by God. We can't deny that these ones are these ones are fathered by God. We can't deny it. So that substance of God's fatherhood in us is the spirit of God. And the Bible says that that spirit starts to bear witness with our spirit. It says that we are children of God. So you begin to see that there is a process of adoption. Romans 8 16 to Romans 8 19 begins to talk about sort of like a value chain of adoption. It says it starts with that spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It then says in verse 17 that beyond that spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, it says that once that spirit has ascended that first level, it says the next is if children, then we are heirs. Once I'm a, I'm a child, I am an heir, but we're going to get there. And then it then says in verse 19, that beyond, um, you know, ch childhood, there's nothing called child ch childrenship. Let, let's just use the word childhood. Let's just use that word to, to talk about the children's state. Permit me to use that word. Beyond our child childhood in God and our airship in God, there is also sonship in God. So that is what the spirit of adoption starts to broker. That there is first a child state in God. That I am a it bears witness that I am a child of God. I can never leave that child state. I can never leave it in one way, in one sense. I must never leave that child state. And I would explain what I mean by that. But it says beyond being a child of God, beyond that children's status in God, there is also a hereship status in God. It says, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. And it says beyond that heirship status in God. Lastly, there is also a sonship status in God. So we see the spirit of adoption brokering these three processes in us, right? So to explain these three different dimensions, I won't call them levels because really it's not really, I think the ones that graduate is being a, and even as a son, there are some aspects of your childhood in God that you must not relegate. And you, you will see what I mean by that. So I won't call them levels as to say that they are stepwise, although they are stepwise in a way, but I'll just call them dimensions. So those are the dimensions of adoption. So the first is your child or your childhood in God, right? The second is that it is your airship in God. The third is your sonship in God. And before we, we just go ahead to explain what those three dimensions means, I would, I would like us to look at, you know, the parable or the story of the prodigal son. I'd just like us to look at that. And it would, it would really, you know, help us in explaining, you know, the concept that we're going to start to look at. So I'm just going to read through it very quickly. It's 8.40 already. Wow. So it says that then he said a certain man had two sons. So that's in, it's in Luke 15 from verse 11 to 32. It's quite a stretch. Um, but I'll just read. I'll just read quickly. He says, then said the second man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered everything together and journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted all of his possessions with prodigal living. And when, when he had spent all, 
there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into fields to feed swine. And he would, he would gladly have filled the stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. So he was happy to eat what the swine ate, but nobody gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I would arise now and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have, I have, and son said to him, just as he has rehearsed, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, as though he didn't even hear what he said, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again and he was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Says now his oldest son, so that's the second son, was in the field and as he came and his, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has re received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you, I have, trans I have never transgressed your, your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat, and I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with our lot, you killed the fatted cow for him. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. And it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. And, you know, before now, we read this um, prodigal son story as to just cast expression at the prodigal son, you know, but actually both of these sons had, had, quote and unquote, comma, there were there were things that they needed to deal with. So the prodigal son actually is sort of typifies the dimension of childhood in God that I'm talking that I'm going to you know talk about shortly. And then the other son, the second son, the mature son, typifies sonship in God. And you see that while each of them have there is a benefit that each of them has and there is a risk to each to these two dimensions, right? So let's just go, let's just Let's just go in. So we start with the first dimension, which is um, children. So as a child, the only language that children understand are affection, intimacy, dependency, and deep love. So that's, that's, that's the language that children understand. That's, that's how they want to relate with God. It's just in affection and intimacy. They're always hugging, always hugging, always smiling, always laughing. There's just always that that affection, intimacy. They just love God. They know God. God is my father. I'm not for anything I do. God still loves me. And you hear that. You know, they say that. You, you hear them say that no matter what I do, I'm still loved by God. No matter, even if I don't come to church for, for five years, God still loves me. I'm still loved. God still loves me. God still takes care of me. And really, as a child, that is the disposition that you ought to have. And that's the first thing that the Holy Spirit focuses on. Is that, is that childhood in God. How that is God is Abba Father, like Pastor Nanto told us last week. How that, you know, you love God. There is that endearment and dependency and deep love and affection and intimacy with God that must never be jettisoned, 
right? So children freely come to God. They just freely come. They can come to God regardless of whatever, whatever happens. They will just come to God regardless of whatever they've gone through because of whatever they've done. They will still come to God. They might come to God with their heads bowed down, but they will still come. They will still come. They freely come to God. And you see, um, there, there was a portion in the Gospels, you know, where the disciples wanted to prevent the children from coming to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 let children, let them freely come to me. And so that is the disposition of being a child in God, is the fact that we can freely come to God at any time. So children continue to en enjoy God even while they abhor lost and ignore lost ignorance and carnal tendencies. So a child can have you know carnalities, you know a preponderance of carnality in their in their in their life. You know they can be so immature, but they would they will still enjoy God. They enjoy they enjoy praise and worship sessions. They just love God. They enjoy songs. They might still be playing um, new songs. And be playing one other kind of song, but they 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 just enjoy God. For them, God is just is just is their relationship with God is just intimacy and affection, nothing else, nothing else. At the instance of corruption of correction, children cry because they misinterpret correction as condemnation. So when you try to correct a child, a child starts to cry. A child starts to feel bad because they they think correction is condemnation. They think correction is 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 that oh you know you are casting them away. You don't want them anymore. You, that's that's how children interpret correction. So they don't want to be corrected, but but they so they would they, they won't mind continually continually carrying about you know lost issues like the the different. Um, you know, things of the flesh that pastor took us through in the pneumatology construct, they won't mind, you know, abhorring those things, but still enjoying intimacy with God. And the charge for children, as you move, now, what you must keep as a child is that intimacy part of your relationship with God. You must never let go of that intimacy part of your relationship with God. But as children, we must also desire the sincere milk of God's word that we may grow. Because if you do not have that, if you do not, you know, engage the word of God and continue to voraciously, you know, ingest the word of God, what happens is in Ephesians 4.14, the Bible says that because we are children, we are easily tossed to and fro by any wind of doctrine, by any slight. You're, you're just tossed to and fro because you are a child. You don't, you don't know any better. You are not mature. But you you are you are intimate with God, but you are not mature. You are very immature. So the charge for children is to continue to desire the sincere milk of God's word that we may grow, that we may grow, that we may grow, so that we are not tossed to and fro. But it's to also retain that that intimate disposition that we have, that childlike disposition that we have. So in terms of being children, what we must retain is our childlike disposition. And that is in intimacy, in in our affection, our dependency on God, our deep love for God. But we must let go of our immaturity. We must let go of our naivety by engaging the word of God, which will cause us to mature. Now, the Bible begins to say in Romans 8, so moving on from the spirit bearing witness with us that we are children of God, it begins to say in Romans 8, verse 17 now, that if we are children, then we are heirs. So it begins to say that the premise for being an heir of God is actually your childhood in God. The premise for being a heir of God is 
your childhood in God. And I like the way the Amplified Classic Edition put it. He said, if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Only we must share his sufferings if we are to share his glory. And one of the things the Holy Spirit starts to teach me here is that there are two dimensions as well. I hope I'm not losing you with all of these dimensions, but just follow me. There are two dimensions within the heirship in God. There is one dimension that is reserved for children. No matter, you, you cannot, nobody can negotiate you out of that heirship dimension in God. But he says there is another dimension of heirship that only comes to a certain kind of people. He says he calls those people, those people, he says only, he says for you to share his glory. So let me, let me, let me go over this again. He says that if we are children, then we are his ears. And if we are ears of God, then we are fellow ears with Christ. He says, but if we are to share his glory, we must share in his sufferings. So there is that divine provision dimension of heirship where it is open to any child. As long as you are a child, come and enjoy it. Nobody, the devil or nobody can negotiate you out of that dimension of your heirship, which is the divine provision dimension. For it's like there is a great dimension of your heirship in God that only comes when you share the sufferings, when you share in the sufferings of God. Right? So yet take Yes, actually take advantage and they take ownership, right? So there are faculties of God's divine provision, as I said, that are not dependent on sonship, as to say that it depends on maturity, but it depends on childhood. And there are some times that the devil wants to cheat us out of those inheritances, where it begins to say that, oh, because you have done something wrong yesterday, or because you have not grown into this dimension, you are not worthy to, to appropriate the healing, your healing inheritance in God that you are not worthy to, to be healed by Jesus' stripes because you have not grown into a dimension or because you did something wrong yesterday. That doesn't exist because the healing, for example, that healing provision is within the divine provision dimension. And within that dimension, all you need to satisfy is your childhood in God. Is your childhood in God. You don't need any other thing. As long as you are a child, you are, you are, you are now a Christian. You can enjoy you can enjoy healing from today to Jesus comes. And I remember a story that you know someone shared with Kenegan or Kenegan shared in one of his books where he began to say that see there was there there was a there was a woman that was talking to him. She was suffering from some some kind of sickness, and you know he was listening to her and he was pitying. And all of a sudden she started to hear into things like oh you know as a servant of God these are the things that you must endure as a servant of God you know. You know, and he was, he was almost believing what she was saying because at that time, I think this person was higher in terms of um, office or rank, you know, in the face. And he was almost believing what he was saying until the, the Holy Spirit said, No, that's not correct. That as long as you are a child, healing is the children's bread, it's for children. There are dimensions of God's provision that is just reserved for children alone. It's just reserved for children. And so you don't need a certain level of maturity to appropriate those dimensions in God. It's just. Is just for children. Healing is one of it. Divine provision is one of it. In terms of um, your daily bread, quote and unquote, your fellowship with God is one of it. You don't need to attain a certain level in God in maturity for you to be able to dis discuss with God in your private chambers. You don't need to. Oh, I, because I want to. Uh, I want to access God at a level. I need. I need to go and hire. I need to go and hire somebody that is higher in rank than me in the face. No. Fellowship is a basic amenity in the spirit. 
It's a basic fellowship with God is a basic amenity in the spirit. Healing is a basic amenity in the spirit. And it's within that divine provision where as long as you are a child, you have become an heir. Hallelujah. The Bible also begins to talk about the second dimension. It begins to say that it says that to share in that dimension of airship, which is his glory, he says that we must share his sufferings if we must share his glory, which is that second sub-dimension of airship as Minister Jala has helped me to, to, to categorize it. So he says in Romans 8, 17, that if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, this so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. Praise God. And so before we talk about that glory dimension, I'm going to talk about the next one, which is, so the next dimension, which is sonship in God. And then we would come back to the glory, to that glory sub-dimension of heirship. I hope, I hope we're following. I hope we're following. Praise God. So the, the, the third level, when we read Romans 8, 18 now, it says that, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God, of the sons of God. So the, the third level in this, or the third dimension of adoption is sonship in God. Now, like I said, Childhood in God or being a child in God is just, you know, about intimacy, dependency, deep love and all of that. As an ear, you begin to take advantage of what has been provided to you and you begin to take ownership. As a son, what you begin to do is you, you begin to carry on the legacy of posterity. You begin to carry on that dimension of fatherhood that God has in you to the next to the next generation. So sons also build intimacy, but they also cultivate reverence as well. So on one hand, they are building intimacy, true sons. On one hand, they are building intimacy. On the second hand, they are cultivating reverence. Reverence. Sons look like their, their, their father and their character resembles God. Number three, sons are regulated and governed by the, by the spirit of God. Number four, True sons are acquainted with disciplines and privileges, the power and the principles of the Christian faith, and true sons are not skewed to one profession. Number five, true sons enjoy the supreme love of God, and they are bound to him in affectionate intimacy while obedient to the Father's will. So they are bound to God in intimacy, and they are obedient to the Father's will. Number six, a son understands that they own what God owns but they also understand that they are owned by God as well. They are owned by God. So I don't just own what God owns. I'm also owned by God. Number seven, the love for God in sonship is typified by deep and consistent devotion and worship. It's consistent. Number eight, the love of God is typified by prunings and chastisement. The Bible begins to talk about in Hebrews 12 for lack of time, I will not be able to read through the entire stretch. But you need to say that it's whom the father loves that he chastises and he scourges every son that he receives. So he says that if you endure chastening that, if you endure chastenings, then God deals with you as he deals with sons. So if we go back to that um to that text we read for the on the prodigal son, what we see for the first son is that he is a child. You know, he just wanted to get all he could 
pan all he got and just run away with it. So all he understood was, you know, just intimacy with the father. And when he came back, the father treated him also at that level. The father brought him back, brought him back to the fold. And that's what God does for children. God doesn't really rebuke children as to really send them away and, you know, send them into the deep abyss, never to come back to God anymore. God always calls children back, no matter how far they go in God. God is always excited when they come back, come back to him. God is never angry when a child retraces its, self, retraces its steps, even though he has gone wrong. But the problem sometimes with sons is that sons have entered into this level of, you know, devotion, consistency, servanthood in God. And because they've entered into this level of servanthood in God, they tend to forget that level of intimacy that they have with God. They tend to forget. Oh, you know, I'm now, and they have this don't worry concept. I call it a don't worry concept. Oh, you are a son. You're not feeling fine. You'll be like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I can endure. I can endure. Um, I can endure sickness in my body. Don't worry. I don't want to disturb God. I don't want to disturb God. Let's just continue working. I don't want to disturb God. Then you now see a child come, a, a child that has been doing quote and unquote, bashu bashu, the child just comes and you see that this child has a house in his body, they enjoying divine provision and you start to get angry because you are a son and you're like, God, all of all, after all the things I've done for you, why haven't you, why can't you heal me? Why can't you do this for me? Why am I not enjoying this? And God is telling you, mm -mm, mm -mm, that you are the one that has refused to lay hold on that provision that I have for you in that way. The fact that you are a son doesn't mean that I have sort of graduated you from those basic amenities in me. Even, even though you are a son, those things are available for you to enjoy. You don't stop enjoying God because you are now serving God. You don't stop enjoying God's intimacy because you are now a you are now a son. You are now you are now God has now allocated to you a dimension in him that you are you are meant to steward. You don't stop enjoying the intimacy because you are now stewarding something for God. He says no, no. You cannot say, oh, I'm now a son of God, but I'm, I'm, not feel, I'm not feeling fine. I will not disturb God. No, because what that does, what that does, the risk of that is that you now start to, you now start to feel bad. Like I said earlier, I start, you, you start to get weary because, oh God, I'm serving you, but I don't have these things. But God is saying that, see, these things are located within that divine provision dimension, where I say that as long as you are a child, you are you are an heir. You don't need any other. You don't need any other level. You don't need to attain any other level to be to lay hold or appropriate those 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 things in me. What I reserve for sons, as Romans eight seventeen tells us, is glory. What I reserve for sons, the additional privilege I reserve for sons is glory. The additional privilege I reserve for sons is glory. And that is what children cannot enter into. Children just dance and sketch around divine provisions, feeling, you know, you know, I'm hungry yesterday, I'm now okay. You know, I can come to God at any time. God, forgive me. Forgiveness of sins is also a basic amenity in God. Children just sketch around those things. They just play around them. They play, play. You give them sweet, sweet of healing, they lick it. Sweet of forgiveness, they lick it. Sweet of fellowship, they lick it. They just keep licking sweet, licking sweet. They don't manufacture sweet, they don't lick it. They just lick sweet. What he reserves for sons is glory. But he says that to enter into that glory dimension of himself, you need, you, you, you need to pass through sufferings. You need to, 
So sufferings is the pathway to glory. It's the pathway. So Romans 8.18 begins to tell us that for I reckon that the sufferings of these present times are not worthy to be compared with the glory which are revealed in us. So it begins to say that the pathway to glory is suffering because Jesus himself passed through sufferings. And we don't have time to read through this, but I want you to go back in your spare time to read through 2 Timothy 2 from verse 10 to 14 and 2 Corinthians 4 from verse 8 to 12. Just read through it in your spare time. And he begins to talk about the fact that if we suffer with Christ, we will also reign with him. We will also reign with him. So glory is the reward for enduring and overcoming suffering and is the reward of sons. And sufferings are denials. One of the things the Holy Spirit told me is it's a denial of your rights. That's really sufferings. So when talk, when you know, there's, we tend to mistake what sufferings are. We think sufferings is actually as sons. We think suffering is actually, and I, I like to use the the concept of healing a lot because that's what readily comes to mind. So we think suffering is Satan befetching your body with sickness. You think that's what suffering means? No. Suffering actually means denial of right. Number one, right you retaliate. When the Holy Spirit begins to build love in you, you do, have, you do not have a right to retaliate anymore. You can't retaliate. You can't avenge. You can't, you can't do anything in vengeance. Sometimes you have to endure shame. You have to endure, endure a daughter your tag. You know what a daughter your tag is? When you think you are stupid, you are foolish, you don't know it. you are not sharp. You are daughter your. They will slap you, you turn your other cheek, daughter your. You have to endure that right to retaliate. There's also the denial of the right to go with your own option and your own opinion. When the Holy you are doing something, the Holy Spirit says, oh, no, 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 I do not agree. Don't do it. Don't do it. But the Bible begins to say that that's suffering. If you look at suffering alone, so children, when they, when they go through suffering, children think that suffering is actually condemnation. Like, oh, they've been relegated to the lowest or the lowest status in life. External sufferings actually means internal sufferings. But sons understand that if when I go through external sufferings, that second Corinthians 4 tells us, there is something that is going on on the inside of me. It's called my inward man being renewed, producing a far weightier form of glory. Hallelujah. So when I begin to endure these sufferings, begin to deny my rights, there is, there is a far weightier glory being worked on the inside of me. It's far weightier than the sufferings that I'm going that I'm going through right now. It's far weightier than the no that God is telling me. It's far weightier than the weight that God is the weight that God is telling me. Sometimes suffering is also patient. God telling you to wait, 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 wait. Don't do this thing yet. Don't do this thing yet. Don't don't choose this thing yet. But the glory that is coming when you accept that suffering is far more. Like I said earlier, that the exchange is not equal and opposite. It's equal and far, far better. No, it's opposite and far, far better. It's not equal and opposite. It's opposite and far, 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 far better. Far, far better. Sons equate sufferings to maturity. Children equate sufferings to departure. Children equate sufferings to poverty. Sons equate sufferings to maturity. The Bible just then begins to say, as I close, that in this, in this, Glory. He says that for the earnest expectation of creation, wait for the manifestation of the sons of God. He says that, see, 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 he says that for creature was made subject to vanity. He said he wasn't made subject to vanity willingly. Amplified says that he, he wasn't made subject to vanity by faulty design. 
He says he was made subject to vanity by reason of him. Who is him? God that subjected that same creature in hope. So what 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 God did was to subject a, a segment of create, creation to futility and vanity in expectation of the emergence of sons. Sons that will go through sufferings and emerge in glory. So God God sub, is subjecting some certain dimensions of creation in futility and vanity awaiting emergence of sons. So God has subjected them in hope because he wants to give them in trust to his sons. Why do you have people like Kenneth Hagin? Their, their name is still resounding decades after they died. Kenneth Hagin, Apostle Joseph Ayala, Elizabeth Elliot, Catherine Kuman. What they have done is that they've inherited glory because they've passed through sufferings. One of the things the Holy Spirit told me as I prepared for this meeting is that he said that the Agberomenes in Lagos, in Nigeria, is actually God subjecting a, a dimension of creation in futility, waiting for an emergence of sons. Sons that will go through sufferings. One of the sufferings you will go through is inflation eating at your salary, and you will not jackpot. That's one of the sufferings. The inflation is eating. Somebody said the poor should breathe. The poor are not breathing, but you will not still live. Because you know you must you, you must need go through these sufferings to emerge in glory, to emerge in glory. So God subjects some dimensions of creation in trust for his sons. Because sons are the ones that God puts in the showroom. Sons are the ones that God puts on, in, on center stage. Sons are the ones that have that have thanksgiving redounding on their behalf in heaven. Sons have a bank of thanksgiving. Till tomorrow, somebody is thanking God for Kenneth Hagin in one part of the world. Till tomorrow, somebody is thanking God for Charles Fodgen in one part of the world. Till tomorrow, somebody is thanking God for Pastor Dami in one part of the world. Somebody is. Because sons are reserved. Dimensions of creation are reserved in futility for the emergence of sons. So it's not faulty design that some things are the way they are. Is God actually reserving those things in that state, in that unfinished state, in that cold state, waiting for the emergence of some sons that would dare to pass through sufferings to emerge into glory? Glory is only reserved for sons. And he says that what is this glory? The Bible begins to talk about Philippians 2. How that, you know, you know um, Jesus... For the glory that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. And you begin to see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was going to exchange that glory dimension for a divine provision dimension of, 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 of adoption in God. He was going to say, let me, let, me, let me keep on staying on the earth. Let me not move from the earth. Let me just stay on the earth. Continue to enjoy this, enjoy this life. I don't want to walk the cross. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to suffer. I believe one of the things the Holy Spirit came to show him is that glory dimension. And it was what enabled him to go through that suffering. But what is this glory dimension that the Holy Spirit showed him? It's not bands, it's not cars, it's not houses, it's not mundane things. Romans 8.21 defines that glory aptly. It says that creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So the glory that Jesus saw, which is also the glory that we must also see, is that people... People, sons 
sons of God or children of God outside of the fold that are also subject under the bondage of corruption begin to emerge into grown-up children. So they begin to start from where you started from 10 years ago. Somebody starts from where you started from 10 years ago in childhood. That is the glory that you see. That is the glory that we see. That is the glory that Jesus saw. The Bible says that he became the captain of our salvation, receiving many sons into glory. That in, in sonship, we also share that dimension with him as well. Where we also begin to become captains of dimensions, captains of areas, captains of, of different dimensions in God. And we begin to open up pathways for receiving sons into glorious liberty of children. That's the glory that we see. And that's the glory that causes us to hug sufferings. Because we know that there is a glory that awaits us. So the question I have for you tonight, and I want you to bow your head and pray, is that there are two versions of you in heaven that you will meet when you get to heaven. There's a version of you that is the sweet liquor, always licking sweet. And that version will give you an handshake for appropriating all of the provisions that God gives to you on the earth. But there is another dimension of you who is that has a crown on his head or her head. There's a dimension of you that has a crown on his head or her head. Would that dimension welcome you that thank you for passing through suffering and emerging into, for releasing me into the earth, for releasing this, my dimension that I am in the heavens into the earth by engaging suffering. And I want you to bow your head tonight and begin to declare that God, I don't just want to scatter all provisions. I also want to endure sufferings that I may reign with you in glory. I want to endure sufferings that I may reign with you in glory. I want to emerge into the glorious sun that, that a dimension of creation is waiting for, for me to manifest. I hope you're praying tonight. I want to manifest into that dimension in God. I want to manifest into the glorious dimension that awaits me, that is written of me in the hands of heaven. I want to manifest into that dimension in God. It might be God allocating you to 100 people, 100 sons that you will bring into glorious liberty. It might be God allocating you to 50 orphanage children. It might be God allocating you to prostitutes. It might be God allocating you to any, any dimension. Any dimension. We receive strength in the name of Jesus to pass through the suf that suffering. That even as the Holy Spirit and angels came to comfort Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we are comforted as we go through our suffering seasons, as we go through the seasons where we deny our rights, deny our right to, to avenge, deny our right to options, deny our right to decisions, deny our right to have our own way. And we yield ourselves to God in fulfillment of his total will. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, because even as we emerge in heaven, after rapture, after Jesus comes and at the appearance of God, and we begin to see the volume of books written concerning us. Thank you, Father, because there's going to be that well done, and there's going to be that joy and that smile. There will not be weeping and crashing of teeth, Lord. There is going to be that smile and that joy because we have emerged into and released on the earth the dimension of us that you wrote about for the earth in heaven. Lord, we give you all the glory and praise. And we declare that your word that we have heard tonight begins to bear fruit in manifold dimensions in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, everyone. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.